0: Today we'll talk about a way to kind of, to kind of handle that. Alright, so anybody ever get frustrated by being in an argument with kind of a science-minded person <laughs> and they drop that science card. Like they can make any kind of extravagant claims, but it's science. And you're like, oh <laughs> dark. Right? That frustrates me too, because a lot of times it's a ridiculous claim, but it's just it's got that science gravity to it. You're like, ah oh, man, that sounded really good. Alright, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, a little bit about that to do uh, today. First, let me introduce myself. Uh, I'm Max Schibler, as you might have guessed. I'm a Coastie. Uh, my wife, Joelle, and I uh, moved here this summer with our uh, four kids. We really love it here in Kodiak. I work down at the base, and I'm a pilot down there. If you guys have ever heard the joke, how do you know if somebody's a pilot? The answer is you just wait, they'll tell you about it, because they are be a little bit overconfident and proud of that. But that's that's not really my... Like identity, it's not really my passion. Some I do, I find, I enjoy doing that. But my passion is really at being an engineer. That's really where I kinda, I kinda see more of my identity at. So I'm gonna exchange my uh, glasses, my aviator glasses, that I swear make me look just like a bald Tom Cruise. When I am <laughs> gonna put on these glasses that my wife actually hates. She tells me all the time, I look like an old dork with the mom. <laughs> right? But I tell her I am not a dork, I am a geek. And there's a difference. Right? So if you don't believe that I'm a geek, we can go to the next slide. This is the crew I hung out with in college. Right? You can't see it very well, but all these dorks right here. So check this out. Oh, sorry, I just clicked that. So all these guys right here. So this is actually, this was kind of a joke. These are all my classmates from college, a bunch of engineering students. But we didn't take this credentialing exam to become professional engineers, and they make, make you send in a picture of yourself with your application so that when you show up that day at the exam, they know that you're not just paying some other smart guy to take the test for you. So my friends all thought it would be hilarious if they dressed like super geeky engineers in the same same yellow shirt, ugly tie, this guy's got a, uh, he's got a calculator and pocket protector here, and goofy glasses, they all wore the same thing, and uh, just a big group of geeks, right? So if you don't believe from this that I'm a huge geek, I actually, I got one more thing for you. I'm actually, I have a master's degree in watching cracks grow in metal. Right? That's about as exciting as watching paint dry, but this happens over a period of like 10 years. Right? So it's even less exciting than that. You might say, oh, why on earth could someone study that? That is so boring. But if you've ever taken the Alaska jet over to Anchorage, and you looked out the window, and you see that wing flopping around out there, you go, oh, be glad that there are some engineers who did some math and said, we know how many times that thing can flop before it falls off, and everybody goes in the ocean. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Super big geeks, but be glad they're there, right? <laughs> all right, so we're going to geek out on God a little bit today, all right? We're going to go, and we're going to look at some of the details of what he has given us to perceive him, to understand his <clears throat> a little bit. We're going to dig down in those details, because it's important. When you dig in the details, you're less susceptible to being drifted astray, okay? All right, so who doesn't love trigonometry on a Sunday morning? That's what you came here for, right? <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, you don't like it? So some of you are excited uh, you're pulling out your calculator right now, I can solve that, I can solve that, and some of you are having a heart attack because it reminds you of middle school or high school, and you're like, ah, is there going to be a test, right? This is just, it's kind of a difficult problem, right? Um, you know, you got, you got a lot of numbers, and you know, these two lines, and this, you're trying to find this angle, D, and you don't have a whole lot of information, Let's just suffice it to say, this is, this is a tough problem to solve, all right? I'm going to show you how God's equipped me to solve that, like that, later in the day, okay? So just tuck that away in your memory. So enough about math for now, right? Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Bible a little bit. Now, God, He gave us two revelations to reveal Himself. One is we call it general revelation, and that's the universe and all that's around us that He made, all right. And the other we call special revelation, that refers to the Scripture, in the Bible, all right. Now, the important thing to remember here is that God created both of these. Now, my God, the one that I believe in is not a deceiver, so He would have created these. Coherently together. Alright? So he didn't build any conflict here. Alright. Some people would say that there's two books. There's the book of nature and the book of the Bible that describe God, right? And I'm a big believer in this. I really enjoy digging into this. I like both of them. So I've got a little picture to kind of demonstrate this. Don't really quite understand. And so at the top we've got God, alright? And he created these two revelations, nature and scripture. And there's no conflict, he made them. Right? Why would he do that? If, why would he try and trick us? Or give us something to, to deceive us? That's not the guy that i believe in, at least. Alright? But then, this is, this is where the conflict happens. We move down to the next level where it's human interpretation of this and our understanding, okay? And that's where we start to get the conflict. And that's where, quite honestly, we, we aren't there yet on it, right? In history, uh, it's not too hard to come up with times and places where both the theologians and the scientists got it pretty wrong. I mean, there was a time when Galileo discovered that the earth was not the center of the universe. wasn't even the center of our own solar system. The scientists at the time, they did not like that. But you know who also didn't like it was the theologians, the religious community. They put him in jail. They said based on one verse that was in the Old Testament, they thought if this is true, all of the scriptures will then crumble on that if it's true that the earth is not the center of everything. Now, we kind of laugh at that. But that was only a few hundred years ago and the same things are still happening You know, this, this is an iterative process us understanding both the scriptures and our physical world of science so, so that's the question should we learn about God from nature there might be some people here going this guy's talking about scientists he's talking about learning about spiritual things from nature, it sounds dangerous it sounds like you could go anywhere with it right? Uh, we'll see what the bible has to say about that Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Psalm 111, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Romans 120 is one of my favorites. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So this is kind of a biblical call-out, right? That, That God has built Himself into creation for us to see it. Right, to reveal himself. Okay, so can we use this application practically? Heard a lot about uh, worry today in our prayer request, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, Matthew 6.25. Matthew 6.25. Do you guys want to follow along? It's kind, of a long, uh, it's kind of a long verse, but I'll read it up here real quick. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body. What about, or about what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you have little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So what does that mean? Look around us and see how well he prepared all of nature for what they're supposed to do. I take a lot of refuge in this verse, right? When I get worried, you know, we, we're all blessed to be here in Kodiak where we're really close to nature. So you can go out and you can see bears eating the berries off the bushes that are provided for them. You can see an eagle go pluck a salmon out of the water and go eat it, right? It kind of stinks to be the salmon, but the salmon doesn't make it <laughs> Right? I get a lot of, uh, hey, have got this, and it kind of helps me handle my anxiety or my fear about what's going to happen tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about science. So what's the definition of science? How do we apply this here? Well, the systematic study of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Now, theology is kind of the, the uh, study of God, and, um, our scriptures, but science is the study of the physical and natural world. Now, that sounds a lot like Psalm 111, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all delightedly right? It's kind of a call to do this. The important thing here, and I think it's, I think it's uh, really important that we find some common ground here. These things do agree, and there's a lot of it, trust me, as we look deeper into the details. Just like when we look at the grass and the birds and the, the flowers, when you understand really how well God prepared those, then you can go forward with confidence that he prepared me, who he loves much more, right? So going on, well, is God a scientist? You can go on to the next uh, slide there. Is God a scientist? Well, I would say probably not. We learned that science is the study of the stuff that is created, right? Well, uh, why would God study the stuff he made? He made it, he knows about it. I think God is maybe more like an engineer, which is great news for this geeky little kid here because that means he's made in God's image, right? So, the one thing I know about engineers is that they love to build in all these little hidden attributes of their, of their systems. They love to build in all these little features, and they're really excited when you, when you figure those out, when you find out they're there, right? So this little guy, you might look, and they build with purpose, too. Engineers build with purpose, all right? So this little guy, you might say, oh, isn't that cute? He, he made a straw that wraps around his eyes and looks like glasses, neat. And he'd probably say, are you kidding? That would be stupid. Those glasses would be more. This is actually for conditioning my drink. So in the summertime, I have a really cold drink, and it wraps up around my eyes and my ears, and as it's flowing through there, it's cooling down my sweaty forehead, and by the time it gets to my lips, it's just the perfect temperature so as not to give me a... Uh, Rain freeze, <laughs> And then, and then, in the wintertime, I put hot chocolate in there, and when it's cold outside, that warm hot chocolate will warm up my ears and my forehead, and by the time it gets to my mouth, it's just the perfect warm temperature so as not to burn my tongue. Right? You'd be like, oh, it's not just a stupid glass-shaped straw. This kid's actually got some, got some thought behind that, right? I think God is a lot to say. So, if we can go on to the next slide. I think it's important to look for purpose in nature. All right. Look for purpose, don't just dismiss stuff that you see. All right, because this, this stuff is built by the most amazing engineer you could imagine. All right, so we've got a remote control here. Now, if you're like me, you know how to use three of those buttons, <laughs> the power, the channel up, channel down, and the volume, right? Now, would it be wise for me to assume that all these other buttons were just kind of, they were left on there. Somebody said, eh, you know, we had some more buttons on there in the 90s, so we'll just leave them on there now. I doubt it, right? Those are on there for a purpose. Like, we got this blue one that has, like, little dots on it. I don't know what that does. There's a red one over here with one dot. There's, there's a play button that might touch something. I guess uh, there's, a, there's a flash button. I still don't know what that is. But would it be wise to say, eh, there's just a bunch of buttons left over? There's only, like, four or five that actually do anything. Probably not. Who would do that? Move on to the next slide. Well, we actually do have science, sometimes. So there's an area of science that's one of the most highly technological that we have, right? It's a study of DNA, one of the most complex things going on. And for the first 30 years of studying DNA, scientists were able to understand about 2% of it. And through the mid-2000s, we uh, declared that we had mapped the human genome back in about the early like 2001 or so. Um, they said, we've, we've done it, we've mapped the human genome, we understand how genes work, and we've determined that 2% of the genes actually do something. They're coding genes that actually make beings, and make life, right? The other 98% is merely leftover. They're these little tiny mutations that have happened over millions and millions of years and just repeating itself imperfectly. And these little mutations don't actually do anything. They're just there as leftover. So this is actually a real term, junk DNA. That's what the scientists all called it, kind of affectionately, and they knew it was kind of like, this is risky, calling this junk. So in about 2012, we found out, mm, turns out that 98% of what DNA does, most of it we think does a lot, in fact, it may be the most important parts. Hmm. It's no longer junk. So, have you ever heard the, turn, or the, the saying, we are only 2% different, our DNA is, and like a dog or a cat or a reptile or a mosquito? You ever heard that? Probably not true anymore. That's where that came from. That 2% that they understood, that little bit, that big long strand, that's what they were talking about. Turns out, we know a lot more. And that's because scientists got into the details and they went, I don't know if I can accept this, right? Now, what does that mean? we just got a bunch more information. We just found out that DNA is about, over the past several years, is about like 100,000 million times more complicated than we thought. Does that undermine that God could have created it, or does it reinforce it? Think about that for a second. So I got a couple charts to simplify this thought. All right, so if we can go to the next one. This is a nice, easy chart for those in the room who like easy stuff. It's kind of like math, but not really. So this is a chart talking about relationships. How <coughs> much I like homework or just work for us adults versus how nice the weather is outside. So here, uh, if it's raining, it shows that I'm up here by the, eh, I'll tolerate it, okay, no big deal. But as you get closer to the nice day where it's nice and sunny outside, especially after a winter like we've had, this is like miserable. I gotta be inside and doing homework while it's nice outside. Come on, this is terrible, right? I got another, if you can go to the next slide. To show a similar relationship, this is how much I like ice cream based on how much chocolate fudge is on it. So as you can see, the more chocolate fudge, the more I like it. From the bare vanilla down here, you can say, "Mm, it's all right. To more fudge up here, yeah, that's my jam, right? I know my wife likes that, right? Joellen, she loves the chocolate. All right, so similar chart. You can go to the next one. This explains the chances that our world is not designed compared to how complex it is down here. So if we start on the left, this is a rock. Now, if our world is just like a rock, um, what are the chances that that world that was just a rock was designed or not designed? Well, maybe it wasn't designed, it's just a rock. I mean, it exists, so that's kind of a miracle in itself, but it doesn't really do much, it's just a rock, right? But then as you move in complexity towards something like an eyeball, which is, if you ever want to look and see how an eyeball works, absolutely amazing. And it's only one a one million and billions of things that are of that complexity in our world that are all tied together. Well, the chances that our world is not designed we start to get pretty close to hey, right there in no the way, right? So this is a way to look at it, right? When you see those new discoveries of all that great stuff that those scientists are working day and night to find out, you can be like, all right, God, you're showing yourself. This is pretty cool. So we can go to the next chart. So this is just because I love LEGOs, like I think all engineers do. Um, another example of what we were talking about. Now, if you look up here on the left, if I were to tell you that I took these four LEGOs up here on the left, and I took those and I shook them in a bag for like a day or a year or whatever, would they align themselves in that way and lock in perfectly with each other? Maybe I can believe that, right? But what if I told you I took these thousands and thousands of LEGOs? them in a bag, and I, and I shook them, and I shook them, and I shook them, and I shook them for like a million, or 10 million, or 14.7 billion years, whatever you want to call it, and all those ended up like that. I mean, look, this is pretty complex. We've got we've got a uh, Ferris wheel, there's a princess castle, there's a police station over here, some boats, some cars, some motorcycling trucks. Most importantly, there's no pile of extra pieces that aren't used either. Would you believe that that, that, that was reasonable? And we're just talking Legos, right? Kids toys. How much more complex are we seeing in our our world? So hopefully you're kind of seeing where I'm going with this. So we, if you can click to the next slide. We're gonna do a little experiment. This is Science Sunday here. We're all scientists. We're observing the world. We're gonna do a little experiment, all right? I'm gonna ask you guys all to close your eyes and you're gonna listen, all right? And you're gonna listen for a noise. And when you hear that noise, I want you to keep your eyes closed and point to where that noise came from. All right, now I gotta turn off my mic here so I don't spoil it because we're doing this. But when I tell you to close your eyes, just listen, keep your eyes closed and point to where you hear and then I'll tell you to open your eyes and we'll uh, we'll see how everybody did, okay? So go ahead and close your eyes. Okay, open them. All right, let me turn my mic back on. Everybody, everybody basically got it right, okay? Go to the next slide. You guys all just solved that problem, all right? (laughs) Good job. Trigonometry at Mach 1, right? So let me explain what happened. We're gonna get into details about this. This is what I mean. When I clapped my hands, that made a sound wave that traveled to all of your ears. Now you have two ears for a reason. Each of those ears on a different side of your face are separated by about eight inches, and that sound wave went at 767 miles an hour towards your head and each of your ears, your right ear received that just a split second before the left ear did. And your brain did a calculation, that supercomputer you have between your ears, did a calculation and said, I can figure out that angle. It came from, well, right over there, right? Now, is that amazing? So we look at regular old things like this every day, and we're just like, yeah, I heard a finger over there, right? <laughs> no, you didn't. The supercomputer in your skull just made an amazing calculation. That is pretty impressive, right? So go ahead and move on to the next slide. That's all the math for today, by the way. That's all you have to do, you pass, to get into heaven, you can do the math, all right? <laughs> all right. So a lot of times God uses unlikely characters to accomplish his will, all right? One of those examples, Apostle Paul, we know about him really well, right? He was persecuting the early Christians. I and mean, God kind of bent his actions towards his own will. And now he's one of the most powerful leaders of the early church, and still today, right? The colony of God, they were an evil people opposed to God. And he still used their evilness to bring justice to the folks that, uh, to his own people. Jesus was crucified at the request of God's own people, the Jews, right? So their selfishness, their drive, their desire to be right, he still harnessed that and wrapped it back around for his own will. So despite them being against God's purposes and striving for their own, he's redirected their human efforts towards his. Now guess what? The same is happening today. Go ahead to the next slide. Just like Paul and the Colossians and the Jews before us, God is using modern scientists to reveal himself at an astronomical rate. This is amazing. So I encourage you guys to be one of those people, or maybe your kids will. One of those people who makes one of those discoveries and goes, look how amazing God is as a creator. This is a people group, this group of scientists who are largely atheists, right? And they're largely doing the work that they are uh, out of uh, selfish ambition, keeping up with the uh, the other guys, a race for getting your name to be famous. And they are working their fingers to the bone day and night to try and make new discoveries. And imagine how amazing it is that God is bending that, that selfish ambition, towards his own will. How much is he doing actually? Well, I got some statistics, because we all love numbers. In the U.S. alone, in 2013, we spent $433 billion just in that year on scientific research. So think about that for a second. God has us spending billions of dollars every day, just in our country, not even in the rest of them. All in the name of science, to reveal the intricate details of how great he really is. Isn't that cool? I don't find that to be threatening. I don't find that to add fear. I find that to be pretty interesting. Right? I think that's pretty cool. So so what do we do with this information? Well, you can go to the next slide if you'd like. This is working out about right on time. So, I like to use it to worship. Worship. Right, so we're gonna talk a little bit about how to geek out on stuff here. I'm gonna explain how the ear works, and I actually stole this, you guys, some of the coaches might recognize it, I stole this from a, uh, from a presentation I had to do for uh, hearing conservation, but it was a great, it was a great picture of how our ear works. So this is sound waves that they come through, they enter our ear, they hit our eardrum right here, our eardrum vibrates with those sound waves, and then actuates this little bone right here that starts tapping on this thing called a cochlea. That cochlea transmits that tapping into an electronic signal, or electric signal, that then travels through our nervous system to our brain, and we can now perceive that sound. Isn't that cool? Right? Stay with me. We're almost done. Josh is coming up here. We're going to close in a song. And instead of just being a bunch of people singing on Sunday, just like they do all the time, right, I want us to geek out a little bit on this. We are going to just be singing a song because that's what we do. Now, we're gonna, I'm gonna describe this in detail, what's gonna happen. Josh is coming up here with the team, and he's gonna come up here and start the song. He's gonna take a big, deep breath of air. Let's pause for a second. Air, right? Do you know how rare air is in the entire universe? We have air, all right? Start there, right, number one. So he's gonna take this big, deep breath of air, and then he's gonna exhale that air. And he's gonna put tension on his vocal cords in such a precise way that they make the perfect sound coming out that matches the vibration of the strings on his guitar, right? And those sound waves are going to travel through the air throughout this building, that air that is so rare, only in little pockets of the universe, and those sound waves are going to reach our ears, and they're going to go into our ears, and they're going to vibrate our eardrum. It's going to move that little bone. It's going to tap on our cochlea. It's going to turn that signal into an electric signal, and our brains are going to hear that music, and it's going to make you want to sing along too. So you're going to take a big, deep breath, you're gonna tense up your vocal cords, just perfect. Some of us perfect, some of us less than perfect. Uh, and you're gonna join along. And this isn't just a bunch of people singing. Right? You're gonna vibrate that air. It's gonna combine with the air that he's vibrating. And it's gonna create some of the most beautiful and powerful music. That's gonna to raise to the heavens, and connect us here in the physical world with spiritually with the God who created it all, yet still knows each of our names. It's amazing. That's science, <laughs> right? So we can go ahead and close. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be saying Let's make that